your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome Avalanche fans and welcome to the Locked On Avalanche Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche. And if you are a longtime listener, welcome back. And if you are listening for the first time, welcome. And thank you for tuning in. So uh, today we are going to have part one of a probably two-part, I think I can get it into two episodes, uh, discussion, kind of a crossover uh, event discussion I had with uh, the host from the Locked On Flyers podcast, as well as beat writers for the Vancouver Canucks and the Boston Bruins. And this was kind of like a a losers club discussion uh, and kind of what all of us are going through for our respective teams uh, now that we all have lost in the second round and how we're coping and things that our teams need to work on. So it was a, it was a really, really fun discussion. Um, and I've been on with the girls from the Flyers show before. So, um, yeah, whenever they ask to jump on with them, I definitely do it because uh, they do a good job over there. So we're going to get to that here in a minute. Uh, but like we always do, follow the show on social media outlets on Twitter, L-O-P-N underscore Avalanche on Instagram, Locked on Avalanche. And send any emails with comments, questions, concerns, opinions, anything you hear in this episode or next episode that you want to throw your two cents into, do that at LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com. So the only news bit that I wanted to get into, which really kind of rubbed me the wrong way, was, you guessed it, (laughs) the, the Colorado Avalanche getting kind of the shaft again um, in in the award department. And this time, the Jim Gregory Award, which goes to the general manager of the year. If you had been, been reading kind of uh, news articles and websites that are kind of doing preliminary predictions on who these awards across the board are going to for the NHL, every single one of them, and I am not exaggerating, by far had Joe Sackick winning GM of the year. He is not even nominated in this category for this year. They just announced it sometime yesterday, and uh, he's not on there. And I'm trying to rack my brain. I don't think he's ever been nominated, which fine. They, I mean, they, they haven't achieved anything in terms of a Stanley Cup championship. I get that. But what they have achieved in turning this franchise around from, let's not forget, the worst season on record, save for Detroit probably would have beat it this year if we were able to complete the season, but that is what it is. Uh, The turnaround that this team has had in the short amount of time that they have had it is directly related to the moves that Joe Sackick made. And to have this team set up not only for now, but for foreseeable seasons, uh, it's it's absolutely unconscionable 
why he cannot, why he is not nominated for this thing. And it just, I mean, in, in a way, it's something that I feel like Avalanche fans were used to this. You know, if, if Nathan McKinnon doesn't win the Hart Trophy, it, we're used to it. You know, we're in, in hockey sense, they're a small market team. Um, so you, you need to win championships for people to really start to take notice. Not have all the potential in the world, but not be able to do anything with it yet. So uh, will he get it someday? I, I, if this team wins a Stanley Cup, I don't think you can can take that away from him because he he is the main reason why uh, this team has the roster it has. He he pulls the strings. He makes the moves, uh, and sometimes people question him because he doesn't like to make the big splash. But look what he's done. Proof is in the pudding. He doesn't need to make the big splash. Um, yeah, it's it, I, I was. Absolutely shocked. There, and I remember reading, and I, God, I wish I could remember where it was, and I tried to look for it, but I couldn't find it. One, and it wasn't The Athletic, because I know The Athletic puts up um, percentages for who they think is going to win. And whatever website I had, he it was like 80% Joe Sackick. And then a couple other guys were like single-digit percentages. So he, it was far and away this website thinking that Joe Sackick was going to win it hands down no questions asked. I don't know how they pull the names for these these guys for this thing, but um, and I'm sure, you know, these guys are just as deserving. I'm not even gonna mention their names because I don't want to. <laughs> uh, if my guy can't get recognition, I'm not gonna give these guys recognition. If you want to go look it up, go look it up. But uh, it's just me being kind of a bitter Avalanche fan right now, uh, which will continue in this episode because, like I said, this is kind of a, a losers' club getting together and kind of complaining because we have the right to do that it's not even a week removed from our exit of the season so uh yeah that'll be today and tomorrow so and also the poll for grading and given the the grade for uh pierre edward belmar is now up on twitter if you like i said you want to follow me on twitter lopn underscore avalanche and get your vote in for giving pierre a uh, grade for this season. And if you're not familiar, we're going through the entire roster alphabetically. We're going to do it Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Put up a poll on Twitter. Um, and we had Mark Barbario was a couple days ago. And then uh, Belmar is going to be for tomorrow's show. So you still have time to vote. So go on uh, Twitter and vote for that. All right. So before we get to the discussion with the quote-unquote losers club, uh, get to a couple of our sponsors, GamerGoo, and I've talked about GamerGoo all week, antiperspirant for your hands if you are a gamer and you are probably have time on your hands because the Avalanche are no longer playing, so catch up on video games. And if your hands get a little bit too sweaty and you're finding it difficult to grip that controller in those heated multiplayer matches, use GamerGoo. It's a hand lotion created for gamers, and they have... Six different scents. They come in peppermint, cinnamon, orange, vanilla sugar, teakwood, and cherry blossom. And if you head over to GamerGoo.com, enter the promo code LOA for Locked On Avalanche. 10% comes off of your order. And we are also sponsored by Rock Auto and RockAuto.com. So chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody. 
and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. So the RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. And when you are at checkout and the box that says, how did you hear about us? Make sure you write in locked on. All right, so let's get to the discussion with the uh, second round losers club. All right, so here with us at our round two losers round table is Marissa and Jemmy. She is a freelance sports writer who covered the Bruins during this past season. Welcome, Marissa. Hi, thanks for having me. And then a returning champion and host of Locked On Avalanche, Chris Maselli. How are we doing today? Good. And rounding out the group is Jackson McDonald, who's a freelance writer who's covered the Canucks for the last five years and is a host of the Roxy Fever podcast. Welcome, Jackson. Uh, Thank you for having me. Also, just want to shout out uh, Justin Morissette, who is the host of Locked On Canucks, who I'm sure would be here right now uh, if he weren't recovering from an assault that broke his leg. So, uh, yeah, shout out to shout out to Justin for uh, putting putting us uh, in touch. Yeah, I heard about that. I hope he's all right. Yeah, he's doing good. He's he's doing better. That's great to hear. So just to kick things off, want to get a sense of how are we all feeling now that we've had some of us more time than others to get used to having lost in round two? Are we moving forward? Are we still sad? Uh, the Bruins lost first. So Marissa, you've had more time to recover. How, how's it going in Bruins land? Um, what a, I mean, as you would expect from Boston sports people, everyone's handling it really well and really rationally. And <laughs> angry or yelling to kick the goalie off the team or anything like that. Um, yeah, it, like there's a lot of really reasonable questions about the future of the Bruins, like impending in the next couple months or like beyond. Um, but yeah, I, I think this was a team where a lot of people recognized that if there was a normal season, they definitely would have had some better opportunities. Um, but then, of course, there are the people who are just saying, well, they would have won a cup and they should have just been handed uh, everything because they won a president's trophy, which is just kind of unrealistic. Um, but I mean, I guess people are handling it as well as they can with it being Boston and everyone being from Boston and being the way they are. <laughs> I hope I said that as gently as possible. <laughs> How's it going in Colorado? Well, I mean, it, the the powers that be decided to schedule this game uh, going into a holiday weekend on Friday at two o'clock mountain time, four o'clock Eastern time. And the fact that they obviously came out on the losing end, it was just a, a miserable weekend for most people. Then and it started Friday night. So, um, yeah, they, they weren't too happy. And they're going through the range of emotions of, uh, you know, the blame game, wanting to blame the refs, wanting to blame the coach, uh, every imaginable player, player possible injuries. Uh, let's get rid of everybody. Let's start all over. And when, you know, 
a month ago, it was the future for this team looks insanely bright. So I think that'll come back around once everybody settles down and everybody realizes like the team is in good shape. Um, they just didn't get bounces. They didn't, they didn't, things didn't go their way. So they'll regroup and come back strong. But yeah, it's, it's your, what you would expect from a fan base when uh, you lose an overtime game seven. And for the Canucks, at least from our perspective, it seemed like they were a little bit more s- successful than predicted. So how are people in Vancouver taking it? Well, I can't speak for the entirety of the market, but do you know how surprised I am that they even made it to the second round? Not only that they made the playoffs, which was a thing that seemed like it really seemed like they were on their way to blowing it when the season was canceled or postponed or whatever you want to call it. Um, And then for them to not only make the playoffs, which seemed like a reasonable goal after uh, it was announced that they were going to be playing the Minnesota Wild in the play-in series. But to not only make the playoffs, but then beat the Stanley Cup champs and then take like arguably the best team in the league to a Game 7, they were playing with house money from the moment they went up 2 nothing against the Blues. So I think the overall attitude is pretty positive here. I think the smart fans are a little worried about what the future holds in terms of things like cap maneuvering. But overall, you have to be happy with the season that they had. I think a lot of people were surprised they even made it as far as they did. Yeah. Danielle, I know obviously we've talked about it on the podcast before in terms of our feelings, but what do you think like the overall fan base is feeling right now about the Flyers? Oh, man. Flyers Twitter is a funny place, but <laughs> I think everyone's kind of doing the the range of emotions where they're they're upset. They kind of got over it. Now, um, I think a lot of people are more looking to the future, which is something that we have a lot of experience doing. And I think similar to the Canucks, I mean, the Flyers kind of did what we all hoped for them to do, which was make the playoffs and went around. And they did. The kids got experience. So I think a lot of people are taking those wins instead of a uh, game seven win. So, uh, yeah, I think everyone's kind of just looking toward the future. They, the Flyers do have some questions, definitely, to answer in this offseason. So looking back a little bit, why do you think that the Avalanche did not make it past the second round, Chris? Uh, that's a loaded question. And then there's a, a, many different reasons, but they got off to a terrible start. They got down two to nothing. Dallas really dominated them. They, they played a very good defensive scheme against a very good offensive team. Um, and then by the time the avalanche figured it out, they're down three to one and then injuries kicked in. And I don't, you know, I'm not using the injuries as, as an excuse as why they lost, but um, because they came back in the series down three to one with those same injuries, with the exception of, of Landis who, who went out um, in game six with a pretty bad laceration from what I understand. Um, and if they had progressed, he would not from what, again, from what I hear, he would have not been in the, in the playoffs for however long they made it. So um, it was a, a, a very slow start for them to the series. And then, um, they kind of picked it up later on, but they they were always 
just uh, and it's odd for me to say this about the Avalanche team because they're so quick. It just seemed like that they were a, a step slower than than Dallas, and which is you know odd. Coming out of the Arizona series, they were riding a wave. They looked fantastic in that Arizona series, and they should have. They're they're they are a better team than Arizona. Dallas pre- presents a different challenge for them. They struggled with them in the regular season, um, and they continue to in the playoffs. So I knew it was going to be a battle. Um, and they did fight back because after being down two to nothing, it looked like this was going to be a quick series because Dallas really was the better team and they fought back and they just, you know, they went to overtime and it just didn't go their way. So sometimes it, it works out that way. And, you know, Marissa, the, the Bruins obviously went out first, like we mentioned and only managed one win in the series. What do you think went on there versus Tampa? Well, they didn't have their goalie, so not having Tuka Rask is going to be an impact. And also, just like historically, the past few years, they haven't matched up too well with Tampa. Uh, they lost to them in the playoffs two years ago. Uh, the last regular season game at TD Garden, they lost like 7-3 to three in the big, like, physical, fight-filled, crazy game. Um, so just like, they've had matchup problems with Tampa before. Um, it really felt like a lot of guys were struggling to get going, especially on defense. Chara looked slow. Brandon Carlo had a bad series. Uh, Pasternak was dealing with a lower body injury, and, like, you could tell. And then there were just, like, some bad coaching decisions, like playing Nick Ritchie every night and not putting Carson Kuhlman in the lineup and just, like, some questionable stuff, taking Connor Clifton out uh, for John Moore when Clifton was, like, the spark plug of the entire defense. So there's a lot of factors. They're still a good team. They have a lot of questions uh, coming up here. Um, but for the most part, I think people should really think the future is bright. They still have a bunch of really good young guys under contract for a long time. So, Danielle, we've had a little bit of time to marinate on this. Do you think there is one biggest reason why we couldn't get past this Islanders team? Uh, I don't think there's one big reason, but I think there's a, a reason that may intertwine with a lot of other reasons. And I think it's just that our... Our top six, our big guys just couldn't get going. And I think that contributed to the fact that the Flyers never really found their game consistently in the series against the Islanders. Um, and I think that was probably the biggest reason why they they didn't make it past them. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. <laughs> How about the Canucks? Oh, boy. Uh is it too lazy to just say that the Vegas Knights are just a way, way, way better team uh, at this stage <laughs> in, fair. in both teams' development? Like, I guess thing number one, can't expect your goalie to get a shout out every night. Uh, that's that's an obvious one. And, you know, the Canucks were I, I, absurdly lucky to get the kind of goaltending performances that they got, not just from their starting goaltender, but also from their backup, Thatcher Demko, who came in after something like six months with no NHL action and allowed something like two goals in almost 200 minutes of play. Um, so, I mean, by the end of, of the series, it, that was really all that was keeping them in it. And then the other big one is just depth. Um, Vegas, their first line and the Canucks first line match up reasonably well. The second line, it starts to get a bit more, uh, you know, hairy for the Canucks. Bo Horvat's a great player, but they've struggled to find players to play with him. And then after that, like the Canucks bottom six is just a total tire fire. And 
the low end of the defense is pretty thin as well. And I think they just got exposed against a team that is really quite good top to bottom, really well coached. I think it was honestly good for the market here to watch a team that is to, to watch a team that good and be able to say like, this is what we're supposed to be aiming for. Cause the Canucks have a long way to go still before they can really be a contender. Yeah. That's a lot to look forward to though. So is there one thing you wish your team had done better in this last series, even if it wouldn't have made them win, but just to have a better showing or, and, or is there something about another one of our teams that is not your particular team that as a neutral observer, you could say, yeah, like maybe if you had just done this, like you, you would have done better. How about uh, Danielle? Uh, I know our listeners are not surprised and Rachel, you won't be surprised that I think maybe if our power play would have been better, <laughs> <laughs> we would have won the series. Honestly, it was horrible. Just like um, one or two goals a game. Just, that's all we're asking. That's it. That's all I'm asking for. Maybe, yeah. Um, as for what another team represented here might have done different, you know, I think out of everyone here, I watch the Canucks more. And I have to agree with Jackson. I really don't know what more they could have done because Vegas is just really a very good team. And the Canucks, unfortunately, aren't there yet. So, yeah, no, no advice because my team just just sucks (laughs) (laughs) Chris I know you talked about the injuries for the abs obviously being a big factor but is is there something you wish they could have done better Uh, I'm stealing that power play answer because it was brutal it was god awful and it's one of the uh, the great questions and confusing questions as to why this team just could not do anything on a power play um, with the the offensive power that they are. Um, you would think it would translate well into the power play. And it wasn't even like, I mean, if they were holding power plays in the offensive zone for a while, getting shots on goal and just having a goalie that was beating them fine. But they were, they could not even get the puck into the zone on, on many power plays and they did not. And this is kind of where so like the, the fans are kind of, kind of uh, railing on uh, coach Bednar, he didn't really change things up. Like he kept running the same play that dump pass into, to McKinnon. Um, And Dallas is a good defensive team. They, they know how to stop it once they figure it out. And it was even, even the power plays that they did finally sustain some offensive power. um, Nothing came out of it. So that, that is head and shoulders above anything else that they a huge problem that they had in the series by far. Yeah. Jackson, what do you think? I mean, so my answer, I guess, to is there anything the Canucks could have done differently on the ice or in terms of like coaching? No, I think they basically ran up against their absolute ceiling for what they were capable of doing this year. Uh, If we want to talk about what the front office could have done uh, to have the Canucks be in a better position for uh, for this playoff run, quote unquote, I think we would be here all day (laughs) if I tried (laughs) to uh, lay out all the things that they could have done differently. 
the Canucks are in a weird position. They, um, on 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 the surface, this is a uh, this is all gravy for them because they weren't expected to be where they were at the end of the season. But at the same time, when you look at the fact that they're a capped out team and their two best players are on ELCs, I think there's a a legitimate question, and it is it does exist with some fans in the market of what could this team have been if they had done things differently in terms of not uh, giving $6 million to Louis Erickson a year or paying way too much for Jay Beagle or Brandon Sutter or insert old decrepit fourth liner here. <laughs> um, but ultimately, like in terms of how they played on the ice, no, they, they were, they played as well as I think they possibly could have. And, uh, if you had told me at the beginning of the season that they were going to make it to game seven against Vegas in the second round, I would have done a lot of things differently this year. And I would not <laughs> have uh, planted my flag in the sand saying that I didn't think they were very good. That's for sure. Although I still, a part of me still kind of thinks they're not very good, <laughs> but we can get to that later. That is deeply relatable as a Flyers fan. <laughs> Marissa, how about the Bruins? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to keep going back to the goalie thing because, like, that's not their fault. But, like, if they had Tuka Rask, different series. But as far as, like, what they can do totally differently, like, they, they played up to what I think their potential was. I think they were a good team, but I don't think they were the same team that went to the cup final a year ago. Uh, that was a year where just, like, everything went right for them. They didn't have to face Tampa in the postseason. Maybe if they did last year, it's going to look a little bit different. Um, as far as things, like, they could control – Again, I didn't understand taking Connor Clifton out of the lineup. I didn't understand, like, really forcing the whole Nick Ritchie thing down our throats when at the end of the regular season, it wasn't looking like that experiment was going well. And, and just, like, switching the lines up. And I mean, Bruce Cassidy is a great coach, just one coach of the year. I think he's tremendous. But at the same time, he has this habit of moving guys around the lineup and not really getting a rhythm. So, like, you, you're moving Anders Bjork around the lineup, putting him on his off wing, stuff like that. So... That's something that, like, they kind of struggled with in Game 7 against the Blues uh, last year, and even leading up to that uh, when they struggled in some of the earlier rounds. So there's definitely some stuff there that they can address going forward as far as the coaching and some of the decisions and the personnel. But again, I just think it's an entirely different series of Tuka Rask is playing. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, matchups. Is there, and this is more of a free-for-all, but is there any of you that, you know, conferences or seating notwithstanding, is there another team you wish you would have been matched up against in the second round and think you would have had a better shot? Let's see. I'll say if, if I was forced to pick another team, uh, I just think the the Cal uh, McCarr, Quinn Hughes story was fun for the fans all season long. Uh, so I think that would have been something to watch for, you know, up to seven games, obviously. So, um, and I think Colorado matched up a little bit better with Vancouver than they did with Dallas. So, uh, from a standpoint of who would I rather them see play because it maybe would have been a, a better series for them. I think Colorado matches up better against Vancouver than they do Dallas. Yeah, Vegas was the the worst possible pull for for the Canucks, in my opinion. Mm. I would have rather seen them. 
I think they would have matched up the best against Dallas. Uh, from an entertainment perspective, I would have loved to have seen an Avs Canucks uh, second round just because I think it would have been a lot of fun. I would have really appreciated the opportunity for Quinn Hughes to prove definitively how much better he is than Cal McCarr. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Wow. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, on a national stage, I think that would have been really great. But ultimately, like, I really don't think they did not play like they should have gotten past the second round. So I don't really think it would have mattered who they played in terms of um, advancing. But I guess I, I would say that if you're looking at it purely from uh, like how would what would result in the team doing better and winning uh, the round, probably say Dallas entertainment perspective. Obviously, the abs are. The, the abs are fun to watch regardless of who they're playing, but it would have been a lot of fun to see them play the Canucks. Lots of like seven, six games, probably. Uh, <laughs> I think that would have been a blast. This is some advanced analytics stuff here, but I don't think the Bruins would have gotten any further because they don't have the same vibe that they did last year. <laughs> like they just don't have that same thing and like obviously like no one was around them in the playoffs, but just like traveling was a team last year and stuff. There were like moments where you were like, okay, this team is special. Oh. And when they made that run, it was like entirely unsurprising almost every step of the way. Where this year, like in the regular season, they had some of that, but it wasn't totally there. And there's just more conflict. And like it just like once the playoffs started or the round robin and they struggled and like Pasternak had his injury and then he was struggling a bit. And then like Jake DeBrus just kind of shut down and the defense looked back and then took or looked bad and then Tuka left. Like, they just didn't have that it factor. And I know that's like some really deep analysis, but that's what I believe. <laughs> so for this one, I didn't have uh, a team only because I would not have wanted to play Tampa. That would have been even, that would have been embarrassing. Um, <laughs> but after Marissa, I maybe the Flyers should have played the Bruins. I would have, I mean, oh, I would Bruins always. Oh, the Bruins lost to the Flyers too, I think. And and we should have made it happen because that's oh, I just man. wanted one series where it was like fun to watch every game because <laughs> Montreal it was not that is definitely true all right so that seems to be like a good place to stop for today and we'll have the rest of that conversation tomorrow um and before we call it a day as I was uh just taking a quick little break here and how I said in the first segment how, you know, we're used to it, being Avalanche fans, not really getting some recognition. Uh, I was just looking through uh, Twitter, and Ryan Clark from The Athletic put up that Jared Bednar finished fifth in the Jack Adams voting. I mean, fifth is okay, like good. Uh, that's that's the upper echelon. Uh, but, you know, what what he did with a depleted team for the, the duration of the series or the duration of the season, um, I think deserves some a little bit more recognition. I don't want to be ungrateful and say fifth is not bad. I mean, you know, you got 30-plus teams in the league and you finish fifth. That, okay, that, that's good. That's good, but... Uh, maybe I'm being a little bit selfish and being a little bit too much of a homer, but I feel I do feel like he should be top three. He should be in, in the discussion for uh, winning the entire thing for this year anyway. Uh, but like I said, we're used to it. So we truck on. 
And uh, that'll be it for today. Definitely go over to the uh, Lockdown Avalanche Twitter page, LOPN underscore Avalanche, and vote on what you think the grade should be for Pierre-Edward Belmar. We will get to that tomorrow in addition to uh, completing this discussion uh, with the Losers Club. Don't want to be in this club too many times, if at all, but can take some fun out of it, I guess. Uh, That'll be it for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in, uh, and definitely check out Locked On NHL for news going on around the league. And uh, that'll be it. See you guys tomorrow. Here's Joby. Go, Abs, go!